Bible study. Today we are studying James. And you guys, this is just, James is so full of so many hidden treasures. It's so awesome. It's great, you guys. We're going to be talking about asking God with faith, asking our questions to God and taking them to the Lord with faith. We're going to talk about patience, um, the sin progression. This is just a little aha treasure that I found in this, in these, in this book that I just loved. I just had, I have to talk to you guys about it because I'm like, oh. I loved it, so I have to talk about it with you guys. Bridling your tongue. They're going to talk a lot about bridling your tongue. This faith and works and how we need them both. We're also going to talk about drawing near unto God. So there's a lot to cover in a short amount of time, so we are just going to jump right in. You guys, James 1.5. It's like probably the most famous verse in James. It's just so good. Let's read it first, and then let's talk about it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So what does this mean? This means if you have questions, you can go to the Lord and you can ask him. But don't just ask him, ask with faith. Okay, let's read six. Let's just tag six right along because I feel like it's just as important as five. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Those of you who have followed me for a while know how much I love the prophet Joseph Smith. I have such a testimony that he was a prophet of God and his story started right here. He wasn't born a prophet, but, um, but he became a prophet of God. But his story just started as a young 14-year-old kid who was so confused. There were so many different religions and they were all teaching different doctrine and he just didn't know which one was true. And he wanted to do the right thing and he wanted to be baptized, but he wanted to be baptized in the one that was the true church. So he was confused. He was had so many questions. And I love that as he was reading the scriptures one day, he found this verse that taught him that if he lacked wisdom, that he could ask God and that God would give him the answer. First of all, just to shout out to his parents for being awesome parents because they raised a kid that at 14 years old was seeking help in the scriptures. How awesome is that? That sets a bar. I want to be that kind of parent where my children are like, yes, I would like to read my scriptures to find my answers there. Like, isn't that so cool? So first of all, just great parents. But anyway, um, this really resonated with him and he knew he needed to find a quiet place and go and pray and ask God. So he did. He went out into the woods and he prayed. And that is where he saw God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. And that is where his journey began. So this is a pretty powerful verse. It's done a lot for our world. So I love it. That's just, it's awesome. And it's important. I taught this one with my, I did a devotional with my kids a couple minutes ago with this one. And it was really fun to take the different words and kind of teach the different words to your kids. Like, what does it mean to lack? You know, my kids didn't know what it meant. So I helped them understand. They, if you don't have enough of something, you lack it. So wisdom, knowledge. If you lack knowledge, if you lack understanding. So we just went, kind of went through and talked about the different pieces of the of the verse. And that was really a really fun activity. Um, okay, so jumping on into patience, you guys. Patience, we're actually going to move up to um, verses 2 through 4 of chapter 1. So let's just get started. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You guys, nobody is like, 
joyful that they're going through a hard time. Now, the the um, if you go down to the cross-reference, where it says diverse temptations, it says many afflictions. So nobody's like, whoa, I'm going through many afflictions. I'm having so much joy. No, this is him giving us a perspective. He's like, you're going through a hard time. Let me give you an eternal perspective. Let me show you the long view right here. And the long view is, is that your patience, as you continue to patiently endure and you continue to hold on faithful, that your patience will work a perfect, I love how it says, um, let, but let patience have her perfect work. Patience works in you and you become perfect. You become, or patience, did I say that right? Patience works in you and you become perfect. Um, it says perfect and entire. How cool is that? That's such a cool phrase. You become, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So as we go through our trials, as we endure well, our patience works um, it works in us to perfect us. So we're going to jump over to, because they're going to talk more about this at the very end. It's fun how he kind of starts and ends with patience. So in um, chapter 5, verses um, 7 and 8, he's going to talk about being patient because um, patient for the coming of the Lord. He says that twice, or he says it both once in seventh and once in eight, to be patient for the coming of the Lord. And then in 10, he goes on to give an example. He says, take my brethren, the apostles, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Here he's saying, take these men as an example. They have suffered so much, and yet they are still patiently waiting for the Lord. They are holding on faithful and they are waiting. They are holding faithful. Then he gives us example number two, which is of Job. And you guys go to the Come Follow Me um, on the gospel study. I cannot remember. What, is it under the children one? I can't remember if it's under the family, the family one or the children one. I can't remember which Come Follow Me manual it's under. But in one of the manuals, there's a little clip on Job, which is really fun to talk with your kids about. Um, so here he gives Job as the second example of just that patience and that enduring. Endure well because the Savior's coming. Once again, the long view. Wait patiently. The Savior's coming. Hold on faithful. So it's really beautiful how he kind of pulls that together. Um, jumping into the sin progression. <laughs> I don't know why this was such, like, when I was reading it for me. Oh, my hair just got caught. For me, it was like my, like, I don't know, it was like a mind blown. Um, okay, so let's start in chapter 1. 13 and he's going to start by what God is not doing like he's not tempting us. So let's start there Let no man say when he is tempted. I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any Any man so he is not tempting you with evil. That's not something that God does um, in 17 He says this is what you can expect from heaven Every good gift and every perfect gift is from heaven is from above and cometh down from the Father of Lights, which right there, you guys, I've just never heard that title, the Father of Lights, and that was really beautiful for me. So I like circled it. I was like, that's awesome. So we know now what is not coming from above, the temptations and the evils of the world, that's coming from the adversary. It is not coming from our Father of heaven in heaven. Um, good gifts are. So let's talk about, in 14 and 15, we're gonna talk about the sin progression. So he says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Okay, so that's the first thing we're going to talk about is this being the, our own lust. And I'm going to put in there our own desires, unrighteous desires. Okay, so we're, that's where it starts. That's where our sin progression starts with unrighteous desires or lust, whichever word you use there. Then 15, then when lust hath conceived, 
it bringeth forth sin. So the next progression in our sin progression is sin. So it starts with this unrighteous desire, and then it's sin. And the next, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And I'm going to add spiritual death. So let's just, we're just going to put that in red. So here is our sin, here is our progression. It starts with an unrighteous desire, then you sin, and then is spiritual death. So he is going to re-emphasize this again in um, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1, and this is kind of the aha moment for me. I don't know why. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So, verse 1, he says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? That's a question mark. Where is the contention coming from? In your home? In your community? With a friend? With Where is this contention coming from? Where are these wars coming from? And then he goes on to say, Come they not hence? Come they not from this that I'm going to talk to you about? even of your lusts that war in your members. Now we're gonna go back to this unrighteous desires. And when he talks about members, he's talking about your body that come from within, okay? So within your mind, all right, or your heart. So um, here he's saying, your contentions are starting from your unrighteous desires. They're starting from your lusts. This is where it starts. And this is why this was kind of an, an aha moment for me because I, I was thinking about the contention in our homes. And even with our children, if you watch your children, where is their contention starting? It starts from an unrighteous desire. Usually like a power, like for my kids anyway, two, two will be like fighting for power. You know, they'll make up a game and they each want their rules to be the, the final rule or whatever, you know, or one breaks the rule and the other one's like, no, it has to be. Anyway, so this is contention, but it starts with this unrighteous desire. What about within spouses? What about this idea that like, I just want to be right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, just say I'm right, whether I'm not or not. Just say I'm right. Once again, that, that just that unrighteous desire. So that's where the contention starts. Um, or even like um, friendships or long distance family members that we're not getting along with or within our community. Like, take a look at wherever you, whoever it is that you might not be in perfectly in sync with or wherever there's no heart, where there's not harmony, wherever there's contention and take the step back. And look at your desires. What are the unrighteous desires that are starting the sin, that are starting the contention? Go back a step and you'll see where the root of the problem is. And you know, when my kids are fighting and they are, you know, whether they're fighting for power or what, whatever that is, and then mama bear comes in, I come in, and then my, I usually come in with unrighteous desires. I come in, I want the power now. I'm like, whoa, I'm going to lay down the law, right? So now I've brought in more contention. And so I stepped back when I was looking at this and I thought, okay, I need to step back instead of coming in with like, I'm going to show you who really has the power here. Um, I need to step, come in with like, let me teach you. So that would be more of a righteous desire instead of this like, you know, unrighteous desire to just lay down the law for everybody. You know what I mean? So I need to come at it with a different perspective. I need to come at it with a, an attitude of, I'm going to help them understand how to resolve their problems and teach them in a loving Christ-like way. So, or with marriages, you know, um, when you just want to be right and you, there's this quarreling going on, like take a step back and just look at where it starts. Where is that like belief system starting? And that's where we need to, 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 to resolve before we move on to the sin, resolving the sin, first start with our beliefs within our hearts and within our minds. Okay, I don't know why that was mind-blowing and I just felt like I should include it in this video. I don't know why, I don't know why. Okay, we're gonna move on. Bridle your tongue. So, they're gonna talk a lot about bridling your tongue 
in these chapters. It's pretty awesome, actually. So let's start with, he, um, sorry, not Hebrews, I'm in James. Um, James 1 is where he kind of starts to talk about bridling your tongue. We're going to start in verse 19. So James 1, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You guys, just for fun, go with me back to this idea of our kids fighting. And the mama bear comes in and she's trying to lay down the law and stop the contention. What if, what if mama bear was slow to speak and slow to wrath and was quick to listen? What if mama came in and was like, I need to, I'm going to understand where you guys are coming from. And then we're going to learn where to go from this, you know, where to go next. Wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that look different? So this is a really good one. Like, let's be slow to speak. And let's be quick to listen and definitely slow to wrath. And then verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So obviously when we come in like <laughs> laying down the law, probably the, not, but not the most righteous way. So <laughs> obviously I'm not perfect in this area, you guys. So <laughs> love me anyway. All right, we're going to jump down to 26. If any man among you seem to be religious... And bridle not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. He is going to emphasize this again perfectly in chapter 3. But before we hit chapter 3, I want to talk about what pure religion really looks like. So here he's talking about hypocrisy. So here this man seems religious, but he's not bridled his tongue. So he might be, you know, abusive at home. And yet he appears a saint at church. That's not right, and that's not pure religion. Let's talk about what pure religion is. 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So basically, charity and righteousness. Right? I mean, that's, that's basically what I got out of that verse. So um, be kind and reach out to others and keep yourself holy and unspotted. Like that is pure religion. So that's pretty awesome. Let's jump over to three and look into more what this means to bridle our tongue. So chapter three, sorry, chapter three. Chapter three has a lot of images. They're gonna, he's gonna pull in all these really awesome images referring to the tongue. And it's really cool how he does this. So we're gonna start in verse two. For in, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. I love how he starts teaching us that if you can bridle the tongue, you can become a perfect man because you've bridled the whole body, which is, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so then he's going to go on to talk about this tongue. In verse 3, he's going to refer, refer it to a horse and how a horse, there's one little thing that's in their mouth and the whole horse can move according to that one little, what do they call it? A bit. We put a bit in the horse's mouth. That bit can move this huge horse, okay? It's, um, four talks about ships, and this is a really good activity to do with your kids. A huge ship is moved by a very small helm, and it just says that right there. Yet are they turned about with a very small helm. A very small piece moves this entire ship. Okay, once again, when we're talking about the tongue here, so think about the very, how little the tongue is and what it can do to the whole body. Five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindle, kindleth. Matter, if you go to the references down before, is fire. So this is our next image. 
is how big like effect of one small fire can affect a whole forest. Okay, so that's our next one. And let's moving on in six, we're going to continue that tongue and fire analogy. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. So that was the fire analogy. So we've got the horse analogy, ship analogy, the, the fire analogy. Um, and then jumping down to nine and 10, he's gonna reiterate kind of what we talked about before with this hypocrisy. He says, therefore, bless we God, even the Father. And there, so that's on the one hand, on Sundays, we're blessing the Father. And therewith, curse we men. So on the next hand, the, the next day, we're cursing men. Uh, let's see here. Which are made after the similitude of God. So all men are children of God. So here we bless God and yet we curse men, which is after his image. So that doesn't make sense. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things are ought not to be. This is hypocrisy. And then after this, he gives us two more images. He gives us the image of the fountain. He says that the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. That's in verse 11. And then 12, we get the fig tree imagery. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive, olive berries? So we've got so many images there. What was that? Was that six images? So this is these are really good to talk about with your kids. Um, and another really fun thing to do with your children. I just love this, you guys. Go to spiritualcassade.com and go up to the little search box and put in there for strength of youth. And then go scroll through the different for strength of youth until you find the language one. And that is word for word what you will find in the manual, but it's broken up into little boxes, little quotes. So when I, I love using these for strength of youth um, posts for teaching my children because I can pass it up my iPad around or phone, whatever you're using. And each kid gets their own quote. They read it. Then they show it like a storybook. Everybody can visually see it. And we talk about it, each quote at a time. And it's exactly word for word what you'll find in the first strength of youth. It's just broken down into small like segments in like quotable form. So the kids can read them, talk about them, and really internalize them one at a time. So that's a really fun idea. So when you do, when you're talking about bridling your tongue, especially with youth, go to that post in um, spiritualcassette.com. And that I think that's just such an awesome idea, such an awesome, awesome way to teach that. Okay. Faith and works. Let's jump over to our faith and works. We're going to start in chapter 2, um, 14. Okay, this is where we're going to start. Okay, and he's going to teach us here that you need both. You need faith and works, and they go hand in hand. You need them both, okay? Um, so we're going to start in 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Question mark right? So he's saying, what is the profit if you have faith, but no works? Okay. And then he's going to go on in 17. Oh, this is so good. You guys in 17, he says, even so faith, if it hath not works is dead being alone. That phrase faith without works is dead is repeated again in 20. And then again, in verse 26, we guys, we know when scriptures repeat themselves that it's important and we need to listen. So three times in one chapter, he's saying faith without works is dead. Very important. Pay attention. Now he's going to give us three examples of this. Okay. The first one's an imaginary example. So we're going to go to 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. You guys, people can tell 
who we are, that we're Christians, that we're believers, that we love the Lord through those actions, or they should be able to tell because we're showing forth those actions of charity. If you are claiming to love the Lord, but have not charity, you have not the works, you're not doing the kind things that the Lord has asked you to do, it doesn't really work. You know, how do you say you love God, but you won't keep his commandments? I have faith in the Lord, but I'm not willing to do what he's asked. Like it doesn't really work. We need both of them together. And that's why he's saying, I will show you my faith by my works. My works will show that I love the Lord. Okay. So that's the first example. Second example is Abraham. And he talks about how Abraham, let's just read it in 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? And 22, seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. Guys, by works was faith made perfect. Um, so Abraham is a good example of someone who had that faith but also showed the works, you guys. And next to that one, I have a, a quote. It says, faith requires action and action requires faith. You need both. One. The, the next um, example is Rahab. Now, you guys, she is talked about in Hebrews 11. We didn't talk about it last week, but it's awesome because it talks about her among all the great prophets and stuff he mentions. I love that he mentions Rahab, and he says here in um, Hebrews 11:31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. So here we learned that she wasn't a perfect woman. And if you guys go and read her story, her story is incredible, you guys. But here he talks about how it wasn't just faith. So we learned about her faith in Hebrews 11, 31, and that faith, how important that faith was. And here he's saying, but that faith with works is why she was justified. So let's read it. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. So here he's saying, you don't have to be this perfect person. Rahab wasn't. She wasn't this perfect person. She was a harlot. But her works and her faith, that is what justified her in this in this situation. Like she didn't just say, well, I have faith, but I'm not going to perform this really hard thing. Um, and do this really hard thing that's dangerous. She, she, her works backed up her faith. And that's what justified her. I think that's so awesome, you guys. It just goes to show that our lives don't have to be perfect for us to put forth that faith in those works. Okay, you guys, lastly, drawing near to God. Guys, let's jump over to chapter four. Oh, this is so good. You guys, seven, we're gonna start, we'll do seven and eight, seven, eight, and 10 of chapter, of chapter four. First one is seven. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Then he's going to go on and say, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But this is what I love. He takes us at one step further. So here he's saying, draw near to God and draw, God will draw near to you. But if you go one step further down in 10, he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So not only if you draw near to him, will he draw near to you. But if you humble yourself, he's going to lift you up. And that's so beautiful. This this idea that he will carry us. If we humble ourselves and draw near to him, he will lift us up and carry us. You guys, he's going to continue this idea in chapter 5, 13. This part to me, I just, okay. Do you guys remember when Christ came um, in 3 Nephi 11 and he said, if you have any, afflict, any afflicted, bring them here and I will bless them and heal them. Do you remember that? He's not here. He's writing a letter. So instead of saying, bring them to me and I'm, you know, I'll bless them because he's not here. He's going to draw them nearer to God. 
and he's going to point them to God. And that's why I included this with the draw near to God verses. He's going to say in verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. He's going to use prayer continually throughout the next couple of verses. Is any merry? Let him sing palms or psalms. Sorry. 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Once again, this idea of like, if you're sick, if you're afflicted, draw near to your God. Pray. Continually saying pray. And then again at 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. You guys, I just absolutely love this next line. I think as far as prayer, it's just so powerful. He says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I'm going to add there, oh woman, I have heard it said that the righteous prayer of a mother can work the same miracles, just mighty miracles. We'll just stop there. Mighty miracles. Like there is like no end to the miracles of prayer of a righteous mother can perform. So here we're using the word man, but we're going to go with mankind, everybody. Okay. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. He's going to give us an example, which is kind of fun in 18. He's going to give us the example of Elias. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was just like us. He had the natural man inside of him and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. In verse 18, he said, and he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So I love this. I mean, it's a simple, it's a simple example, but it's an example. It's an example of our prayers can, they can work miracles, you guys. But I love how he just draws them to the Lord. Go to prayer. If Are you sick? Go pray. Are you afflicted? Find a brother to come and bless you. Like prayer, pray over each other. And he just continually just pray, pray. That's why it's all included in my draw near unto God section here. You guys, thank you so much for joining my Come Follow Me Bible study today. And I really hope you guys will join me again next week. Thank you for joining me. Mm -hmm.